The Bible is a book full of stories of people who find themselves places they don't want to be. The Bible is full of stories of people who find themselves in places they don't want to be. Because the, the Bible is a book about hope. It's a book about hope. And the people who need hope are people who are in exile. People who are in prison. People who are far away from where they want to be and who feel like they may be far away from God. And sometimes those stories are about people who run away from God. Right? Jonah prophet of the Lord, receives the word of the Lord, this, this beautiful and rare and precious thing, but he says what? He says, I'm going to get on a ship and flee as far away as I can from the call of God on my life. And of course, he has many adventures as a result of that. He finds himself very quickly in that story somewhere he desperately does not want to be in the belly of a fish in the bottom of the sea. We think of King Saul. Right? He starts, his story starts as this, this handsome, noble young man who is exalted by the Lord, anointed by him to be the first king of Israel. And then by the end of his story, he's laid out at the feet of the witch of Endor, seeking guidance from dead Samuel. And he dies in this awful way in battle as predicted by the Lord. Judas, Judas, who is, who is picked by Jesus to be one of his disciples, and yet somehow he ends up betraying Jesus, realizing what he's done. He goes and hangs himself. Right? Sometimes people, we flee from the Lord. We run headlong into insanity. Sometimes we just wander away. I think that's an Adam and Eve story, right? They didn't want to be separated from God. They didn't want to be kicked out of the garden. They weren't mad. They just wanted what they wanted. And they took it, they grabbed it, and here we are. And sometimes, sometimes we are taken to places we don't want to be. Sometimes we're taken there. You think of uh, Hagar, uh, Sarah's servant. Abraham and Sarah, Sarah's fed up with Ishmael and his attitude. And she says, get rid of them. And they just send her off into the wilderness to die. Think of Joseph, right? All his brothers sell him into slavery in Egypt. He quickly finds himself someplace he doesn't want to be. Or the Apostle Paul on many of his missionary journeys and he ends up in prison, right? He's thinking, I'm, I, here I am serving you, Lord. I'm proclaiming the, the gospel. I'm, I'm a Roman citizen. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? Sometimes we flee. Sometimes we wander. Sometimes we are taken to places that feel like we are cut off from the presence of God. And that can actually be physical places, even today, right? Sometimes when, when you're traveling or you find yourself just in some place that you're not familiar with or, or you're far away from spiritual experiences that you had where you grew up, or the, the, your home church. You find yourself in some place and you just say, does God see me here? I feel like I'm cut off from him. I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm separate from where I experience God's presence. But of course, this also means, and probably much more for many of us, spiritual places that we go that feel cut off from the presence of the Lord. Places of grief and sorrow. Places of, sometimes when we're, when we're ill, and we just, we, we turn in on ourselves and we just feel like I'm just, nobody gets it. The Lord doesn't get it. The Lord doesn't see. The Lord doesn't know where I am. Places of addiction, places of abuse, where things have happened to us or we're, we're entrapped in things. We just feel like I'm all alone here. I'm cut off from the presence of the Lord. Sometimes we experience this and sometimes we see people in our lives, probably all of us have, have someone in our lives that we feel is in that kind of place where they've just wandered far away from the Lord. They're in a, either a physical place or a spiritual place where I just, they feel like they're cut off from the presence of the Lord. 
And I think all of us are in a moment right now where in our culture, right, we're, we're sort of looking to the future and thinking, are we headed into a place? Is the Lord going to be with us there? Is the Lord going to be with us in whatever is coming towards us? So that's kind of the question. Like, can we get ourselves, can sin take us to a place, can life take us to a place that invalidates the claims of verses 1 to 5 of Psalm 139? Look at these claims again. O Lord, you've searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path, my lying down, are acquainted with all my ways. Verse 5, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Can life, can sin, can people take us to a place where those things are not true? Where the Lord's hand is not going before us or coming behind us, is not upon us. Where where he's not in sync with us and discerning our thoughts from afar. Now the aim of our passage this morning is very simple and very clear to let us know in no uncertain terms that there is no place physically or spiritually that we can go where God is not present to us. There's no place we can go physically or spiritually where God is not present to us. And I like that image of God being present to us. It's like God everywhere we go is saying, I'm with you, I'm for you, I want you, I'm here. And there's no place we can go where that is not true. The point of these verses is to give us a sense of the omnipresence of God's love. Everybody in here who knows anything about God of of the Scriptures knows that God is supposed to be everywhere. He's, He's omnipresent. But a lot of times we think of God's omnipresence the way we think of Santa's omnipresence, right? Somehow... He knows if you've been naughty or nice, and he's keeping a list that he's going to check twice. But that's not how God is present in all the places he is present, which are all places. He's present in all these places with love. God is omnipresent in love. And so wherever we go, wherever we are taken, wherever we find ourselves, God this morning wants us to know that he is present for us there. So let's begin looking at these verses together. Here's the question of The morning, verse 7, where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I go from your spirit? If the claims of verses 1 to 5, right, if those are are true, is there then some place I can go where they're not true, where you're not going to hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me? Where can I go? Where can I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? Now think about that for just a second, right? The, The spirit of God and the presence of God are sort of summary terms for All the goodness of God, all that is sweet about verses 1 to 5 is summed up in the presence of the Lord. Literally, verse 5 is the summary of verses 1 to 4, and it says, you lay your hand upon me. Now I want to get away from that? We don't want to get away from that, do we? We I never want to be separate from the presence of the Lord, and yet, right? right? And yet, because of sometimes our folly, sometimes because of fears that we have, or suffering that comes into our life, we feel ourselves removed from the presence of the Lord. We feel ourselves to be, we got to get away. I'm just too scared. God's not doing it for me. I just can't abide this suffering. I, I got to find some way to, to fix this suffering. And God's not doing it. I got to go away from him. I got to get away. And so we run. We run. Where do we go? He says in verse 8, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. Well, duh, you're there. Right? Duh, God is there. 
Right, because heaven, in kind of the ancient understanding of the world, heaven is where God is. That's the definition of heaven. What's heaven? Where God is. So the kicker of verse 8 is, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol. What about Sheol? What about, Sheol is, is death. Sheol is the grave. Sheol is the anti to heaven. It's anti-heaven. Is the Lord there? Notice the expression he uses here. I think this is... Uh, Kind of moving, honestly. He says, if I make my bed in Sheol. He doesn't say, if I die. This isn't talking about death. This is talking about those times when you and I make our bed in Sheol. What does that mean? I think it means that there's, there's times, right? We call it depression. We call it deep grief and sorrow. Where we just give up on finding good in life. I'm going to read a couple of verses from Job 17. There's a really interesting connection between these verses in this psalm and Job 17. And in, of course, the story of Job is the story of a guy who, who had it all. And what happened to him? He lost it all. He lost it all and nothing from God. No explanation for 40 chapters. And he's, he's in a place a lot of us go. But in Job 17, we read this in verse 13, Job 17, 13. Job says, If I hope for Sheol as my house, if I make my bed in darkness, if I say to the pit, you're my father, and to the worm, my mother or my sister, where then is my hope? Who will see my hope? Will my hope go down to the bars of Sheol, to the prison that I'm, I feel myself being dragged down to? Shall me and my hope descend together into the dust? I think that's the picture of this uh, making my bed there. Just me and my hope are just done. We're just done. And sometimes we go to a place like that. We go to a place that we feel is absolutely distant and cut off, removed from the presence of the Lord. So what is the psalmist saying in verse 8? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol... What does he say? Say it. Say it again. You were there. God is there. God is there. God is there the same way that God is there. You get that? I think God's, God's really in heaven. He's kind of in hell. It's the same phrase. You see that at the end of the verse? God is there. God is there. He's there in heaven. He's there in Sheol. He's there where we make our bed in Sheol as well. God is present. He is as present in the depths of death, in our lowest places and lowest moments, as he is in our highest places and highest moments. He is as present. He is as with us when you are laid out in depression and grief when you feel like you can't move and there's no more hope, that you and your hope have gone down to the grave, he is as there as he is when you feel just buzzing and alive with joy in life. You wake up and, and the sun is shining, the birds are singing some like, you know, you're like in a Disney movie and everything's going your way and there's a theme song, right? He, you feel like, oh, God is so good. He's so with me today. He's as with you when you are laying on the floor beside the couch and you can't move and you can't cry 
and you can't think, and you can't feel. He's as with you there. Where you and I go means nothing about where he is. Where you are or where you go means nothing about where he is. He's there. He's there. Verse 9 takes this line of inquiry a little bit further. If I go, if I take the wings of the morning and I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, which is a way to say if I take the wings of the morning and I, and I go to the uttermost parts of the sea, if I, if I run as far away from you as fast as possible, and what if, he says, and what if I dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea? What if I never get to come back? What if I never come back? And you know what? This was a very real uh, threat and anxiety for the people of God in the Old Testament. The, the language of this verse is actually borrowed from Deuteronomy chapter 30, where Moses is laying out for the people, like, if you go into exile, we've been talking about Isaiah, and the great threat of the entire book of Isaiah is that we're going to be overtaken by foreign nations and sent off into exile, away from the presence of the Lord. That's what exile was for them. We're going to be away from the temple, away from the worship, away from the sacrifices and the festivals. We're going to be away from all this. What about then? What about Daniel? What about Esther? What about... Right now, many people are telling us that the life that you and I have known for however long you've been alive is gone. And even though you live in the same house and you're at the same job and you're in substantially the same life, you are going into exile from the life that you knew. You know, the prognosticators, they say the supply chain, the COVID, the response, all of these different things are escalating and, and we are going into exile even though we're staying where we are. Is God going to be with us there? Do we have to be afraid? Do we have to feel like we are on an insecure footing as we go into this strange and unknown future? See what he says? He doesn't just say again, like he said in verse 8, you are there. He doesn't just say you are there if we go to the uttermost parts of the sea. He says not only are you there, but your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So this is the, your hand shall lead me. That means your hand is going to clear the way for me. Your hand is going to bless me. Your hand is going to go in front of me and be gracious to me and bless me. And your right hand, your strength, is going to hold me. You're going to keep me. You're going to bless me and keep me. Does that ring any bells? Right? So they're anxious that as we leave the temple, as we leave the promised land, as we go to this other place, we're going to be cut off from the presence of God and from the, the promises of God, the covenant of God, which is summed up as we hear Tony almost every Sunday bless us with, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Do good to you and protect you. Bless you and keep you. And here in this psalm, he's saying, even if you go to the uttermost parts of the sea as fast as lightning, and you dwell there and you never get to come back, I will still keep my covenant promises with you. I will still bless you and keep you. God will keep his covenant. He will keep his promise to us no matter where we are. Again, it doesn't matter to him. He is with us. It doesn't matter where we are and it doesn't matter how we got there. 
You know, sometimes I make my bed in Sheol. And sometimes I feel like Job and, oh, my, my hope is gone. And, and I make my bed in Sheol. And sometimes we come to verse 11. Sometimes the darkness covers me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me. Have you ever had that experience? Does that, does that resonate with times in your life? Sometimes you feel like I make my bed, I've made my bed in Sheol. And sometimes you feel like, oh, just the darkness covers me. What about then? What, what is the darkness here? You know, the darkness in Scripture is not just uh, when the switch is in the off position, right? God create, created light. God said, let there be light. And so, just in very short summary, darkness is what is not from God. All that is light, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of light. And whatever is not from Him is darkness. Darkness is whatever is not from God. We're talking about all sin. We're talking about evil. We're talking about the, the angry and meanness of depression and sorrows and fear and emptiness. All, of, all that we get when we run from God. That's what the darkness is. So what about then? What about there? See this line in verse 11, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night. So when you are in this moment where the darkness has covered you, you're still going around you in your life. Right? You're still going to work. You're still punching in. You're still cranking widgets and doing what you're supposed to do. But the light about you is dark. The light about you is night. And this, this speaks to the, the power of darkness in our minds and in our hearts. Right? Darkness is scary. Moral darkness, spiritual darkness, when it enters and touches your life, it is scary. It, it tells you that you have no hope. It pretends to be unbeatable. Right? You get yourself in, whether it's illnesses, whether it's mental conditions, whether it's abuse or addiction or or any of these sort of traumatic situations, dark situations, you you get to this place where you feel like, I cannot imagine a time when I'm going to be well. I cannot imagine a time where this is going to be healed. The darkness claims to be unbeatable, and it slowly, through the power of its word, leeches into our minds and hearts and steals all our hope, and we feel ourselves to be truly and utterly lost. But look at the great news of verse 12. Even the darkness is not dark to you. What darkness does to us, it doesn't do to God. And darkness makes us feel like we can't see what's happening. We don't understand. We We can't act. We don't know what to do. The darkness doesn't do that to God at all. It doesn't keep him from searching us and knowing us and seeing us and understanding our situation and laying his hand upon us and and leading us and holding us and keeping his covenant with us. It doesn't stop him from doing any of that stuff. The darkness is not dark to the Lord. Not only that, the night is as bright as day. Our situation, which is where the darkness can cover us, even in the light, is the exact opposite for God. The darkness is as bright. The night is as bright as the day. That's the power that darkness has against God. 
Right? What kind of power does darkness have against that? All these movies and these books like, oh no, darkness is going up against the Lord of God. Oh, it's Satan versus God, and God's really scared this time, right? Darkness has no power against the Lord. There's no power against the Lord. The night is as bright as the day to him. Right? Darkness ceases to exist in the presence of God. It can't exist in the presence of God. It just can't. It's, a, it's not physical. It's, a, it's some kind of impossibility. And then we come to what is the most extraordinary line here. In fact, as I was reviewing the sermon yesterday, I, just, I felt like this is holy ground. This ver- I mean, the whole Bible is holy, right? But this verse especially is, I had to take my shoes off. I did. And I, I wore shoes that don't make, accommodate that. But I was going to take my shoes off here because this is really holy ground. I'm going to try to be careful here. So if somebody's snoozing next to you, give them a shake because this is really important. For darkness is as light with you. Darkness is as light with the Lord. Your darkness, my darkness, is as light with the Lord. When God is with us, what is dark can become light. When God is with us, what is darkness can become light. We can live in, we can live through what feels like very dark nighttime times as if it were day and light because we remember the presence of the Lord. We can live through dark seasons as if they were light because we remember the presence of the Lord. We can go into the hospital We can go into exile. We can go into abuse, addiction, loss. We can go into unknown futures. We can go into darkness. We can be in darkness. But listen, these are not dark to the Lord and they don't stop Him at all from keeping His Word to you and being present with you. These are not dark to the Lord. And now, and more, the last line of this verse the most extraordinary thing in this section, those don't have to be dark for us with the Lord. They don't have to be dark for us. In fact, what does that mean that the darkness is as light? It means that the darkness actually illuminates things. And when God is with us, what is dark can bring revealings. The darkness can reveal things for us. For example, the darkness can reveal brokennesses that we have, that we've been ignoring, that we need Him to heal, and only He can heal, and He wants to heal. And the darkness can reveal, can shine the light on ways that we have been called to honor Him now, different from the way that maybe we want to honor Him. But He's called us to honor Him in different ways now. And the darkness can reveal and can shine the light on the people we are to love now. Different people than the ones we want to love. But sometimes we can't love those people right now in the way that we would like to. But the darkness directs us to love other people 
that God has brought across our paths, other people we're interacting with. And sometimes the darkness with the, with the presence of the Lord also reveals a new power that we obtain by His grace in our sufferings to go and to raise up others who are in darknesses like us. It can reveal that, and you've experienced this, right? You've gone to a dark place and somebody has said, hey, I was there too. I've been there too. And the Lord was faithful. And that, their darkness became his light because they let the presence of the Lord in. Imagine yourself in a hospital bed, right? Nobody wants to be in a hospital bed. You're in a hospital bed. And when you're in a hospital bed, right, you can't get sleep. You're all alone, right? You get visitors, but they stay for a half hour, an hour. They got to go. You can very quickly in your mind begin to just feel like, what am I doing here, God? I'm all, I'm all alone. God, why am I here? I feel, like, I feel like you've left me. I feel like I don't know what the future is. All of a sudden, all of the sort of existential problems that, we, that sort of we push off to the side with our busy lives, they just all come flooding on. Where is God? Who is God? Is God real? What is he doing? Why am I here? What did I do wrong? And all of these things can swirl around us and we can feel ourselves covered in darkness. Covered in darkness. And then, all it takes is to remember that the Lord is with you. You remember that the Lord is with you. The Lord is with me here. The Lord is with me here. And if the Lord is with me here, then I can have comfort now. I'm not alone. And in fact, if the Lord is with me, not only can I be comforted, but His presence turns this whole situation. It reveals different things. It reveals, hey, you know what? I can't be with my family and friends and my coworkers and and encourage them the way that I would like to encourage them. But you know what? These nurses and doctors who are seeing death every day, do they have the kind of hope that I have because the Lord is with me? Maybe I can encourage them. Other Other patients who are next to me, they're in the same situation as I am. Do they have this kind of hope? Do they know that the Lord is with me? I have what I need because I have the message of, that the Lord is with me. And I have that, and I can share it with these people. And so my dark situation can, with the Lord's presence, reveal, reveal other things, reveal good things, and reveal the Lord's will in new ways. We see the work of the Lord in this way, how the darkness is as light with the Lord, most clearly in Jesus. Right? Christmas is the great announcement that Jesus, who dwells with the Father in unapproachable light, has come down into darkness. Right? Those who dwelled in darkness have seen a great light, Isaiah says. In John chapter 1, verse 5, Tony referenced this last week, it sums up Jesus' life. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus is the light of the world, and he shines. And the darkness tried to overcome it, right? And didn't the dark, the kind, darkness kind of did overcome it. Right? Is that what happened there? Right? Jesus did go up on the cross. Did he die or didn't he die? He did die. Did he go down to Sheol? Did he go down to the grave? He did go into the grave. But what happened there? What happened there? His darkest moment, right? His his death on the cross became light. 
for all of us. He turned darkness inside out because he went there. And then he says to his people, he says to you and me, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world because you have the message of his death-reversing power. And you carry it in your sufferings where it burns brightest. And I will be with you to the end of the age. And the darkness loses. The darkness loses because he is with us. I want, you to, I want to just be clear about one thing here because I don't know all of your stories and I know that probably the darkest things that you're sitting on or that are threatening to cover you, you've not let me in on. So I want you to understand that what he's saying here in Psalm 139, verse 12, is not, he's not saying there is no darkness. He's not saying there is no darkness. In fact, back in Job 17, Job gets really ticked off at the guys who are counseling him because he says... Uh, he says that they're all fools and there's not a wise man among them because they make the night into day, into day. The light, they say, is near to the darkness. Oh, the, the night is darkest just before the dawn and there's a light coming at the end of the tunnel. That's not what this verse says. It's saying that life is so dark sometimes that it completely covers us. But over the course of these lines, it slowly bumps forward the thought that perhaps, perhaps, with the presence of the Lord, the darkness may become something else. The darkness may become as light. Because this God is there. Friends, we are not optimists. We have hope. Right? Optimism is a personality trait or an excess of caffeine. Right? <laughs> Optimism is a good night's sleep. Optimism is Christmas carols and shopping bags. Things aren't so bad. Things are going to get better. That's not what we have. What this verse says is darkness is going to cover you. Friends, if it hasn't, it will. And probably both. It has and it will. But we have hope. We have hope. Because we have this Lord. Let me encourage you lastly with, a, with a, something to consider by way of application. You know, I have been in places, you've been in places where I've been very sad, very lonely. I've been, I've been overwhelmed, right? whether I feel like I'm, I'm dwelling in the othermost parts of the world or whether I feel like the darkness has covered me. And I've been in that place, and then people are with me though, right? And they're encouraging me. They're trying to say, hey, I'm with you. I'm here. Don't be so sad. It'll be okay. They're trying to encourage me, and I don't receive it. Have you been there? Just let me be sad and lonely. I don't want to hear about it. Don't help me. I don't want to receive it. And so these verses are not just here stating truths about God and about his relationship to spatial distances and light and dark. These truths are here as an invitation to us, an invitation to us to receive God's presence in our distant and dark places. Will you receive his presence? God is with us, but are we going to allow his presence to make a difference in our lives, to make a difference in, in how we feel and how we think about our situation. Are we going to let the presence of God do this? We understand it. You might understand God is light, God 
defeats the darkness. God is with me. But are we receiving that? Are we allowing him to lay his hand upon us and to lead us and to hold us? Are we going to let that in? God wants to, he wants us to know, he wants us to know so that you remember the next time you go into these places where you feel like maybe I'm cut off from the Lord, maybe I'm away from the presence of the Lord. He wants you to, to remember this, that wherever life takes you, meaning wherever you are right now, wherever that is, the Lord there. The Lord is lovingly there. He is there lovingly and powerfully with us and for us. Let's pray. (coughs) Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you are a God who searches us and knows us, who knows when we sit down and when we rise up, who searches out our path and our lying down and is acquainted with all our ways, who you hem us in behind and before and lay your hand upon us. You are intimately attentive to us. You know us deeply. You care about us deeply. And Lord, we want to add another layer of gratitude and praise to that. That you are not a God who loves us when we are with you. Who loves us so long as we stay in certain places. Who loves us so long as we we stay there and, and we don't let anything bad happen to us. We don't do anything bad. But you are a God who is already, wherever we go, you are there. And you are there for us and with us. You are presenting yourself ever to us. And Lord, you know our hearts. You know where every single one of us is at this morning. There may be things that we are still carrying with us that we have not walked into and addressed with you. There may be things that we are in or things that we are looking to approach and anxious about. And in these places, we feel we can forget these truths and we feel like we are alone. We feel like you don't see, you don't know, you don't care. Lord, help us to remember these verses. To remember that you are with us, that you are light. And that with your presence, all things change. Lord, would you let this word dwell in us richly. In Jesus' name, amen.